I'm back. I'm back, baby. As some of you may have noticed, I took a vacation last week. Don't do that very often, but I did it last week. I flew in last night from the United Kingdom after an incredibly busy week in merry old England, toppling their government, that was important, helping to baptize Candace's baby, and hitting every single tourist spot with my wife and two little children. I am a little bit tired, but I promise you, I promise you this right now, I am nowhere near as tired as the President of the United States. I have not made that formal decision, but it's my intention, my intention to run again. And we have time to make that decision. Uh, Dr. Biden is for it. Mr. President. Oh, Dr. Biden thinks that, uh, my wife thinks that, uh, that I, uh, that, that, we're, that we're doing something very important. The media have been metaphorically propping up Biden for years. They are now literally propping him up as he appears almost to doze off on camera. You are seeing this desperate propping reflected right now in the polls. As the midterms approach, now just over two weeks away, the polls are all breaking for Republicans. Now, in years past, Republicans could already reasonably start chilling the champagne for the victory parties, but many conservatives still feel a nagging worry that no matter how good we're looking in the polls, somehow the votes on election day, or whenever they finish counting the ballots this year, are miraculously going to just turn at the end in favor of the Democrats. A lot of conservatives have the nagging worry that if the powers that be can continue so brazenly to prop up our cadaver in chief, then our entire electoral system as we know it might be on the brink of death too. I'm Michael Knowles. This is The Michael Knowles Show. Welcome back to the show. My favorite comment yesterday is from Michael, Michael Storman, who says calling the January 6th committee a kangaroo court is an insult to kangaroos. Absolutely true. And, and the, the kangaroo court and the constant vilification of half the country is semi-fascist and illegitimate and all the rest of it. That is why conservatives in particular don't have a ton of faith in the electoral system right now, because we're consistently told that our views are not legitimate. They have no role in our sacred democracy. To save our democracy, you got, rid of, got to get rid of half of the country. And then we saw all the shenanigans in 2020. And so we look, we say, yeah, we're doing great in the polls right now, but will that matter on election day? Or is our republic dead? Is it dead like all of us will be one day, which is why you need to check out Epic Will. Right now, head on over to epicwill.com. Use promo code Knowles. What does your family believe in? Faith? Church on Sunday? Do you believe in serving? Do you, do you want to vaccinate your kids? Give them the Fauci ouchie? Do you want to say, no, I don't think so? How does your family define men and women? What kind of values do they put on a life? Your children look to you to define their beliefs, their perspectives of the world. What if you were not here to do that for them. In the event that you die, and we're all going to die someday, folks, who will ensure that the values you hold dear are upheld by your kids? Epic Will can help with that. A will lets you determine who will raise your kids in the event that you die before you're done raising them. 
This is a big deal. It's your responsibility as a parent to figure it out. That's why we at The Daily Wire have partnered with Epic Will. Take five minutes today. Go to epicwill.com and use promo code Knowles. That will save you 10% on Epic Will's complete will package. More importantly, it will let me know that you did it, okay? Talk about accountability. That's accountability to me, baby. Epicwill.com, promo code Knowles. The polls are looking great. What a great way to come back into the United States. I look at the poll in Pennsylvania right now. Dr. Oz is leading John Fetterman by four and a half points. And I have made no bones about my views on Dr. Oz. I think he is an extremely weak candidate. I think he's a big squish. I think ultimately, if, I, if I'm going to the ballot in, on November 8th, I guess I vote for Oz because he does have this one lucky break in that the man he's running against is absolutely dreadful. He's fanatically in favor of the most radical policies in the country. He said, John Fetterman said, if he had a magic wand, the first thing that he would do wouldn't be to cure childhood illness or, you know, solve world hunger. No, it would be to let murderers out of prison. So he's just so awful. Oz seems kind of like a Romney type, which is awful, but I guess there's a better chance he caucuses with the Republicans than, uh, than that John Fetterman would. So if I were, I'm looking at it today, and I, I guess this is what a lot of Pennsylvania moderates and, and some conservatives are thinking too. They're saying, well, I got to vote for Oz. The, the other option is just so bad. Oz is at least a somewhat reasonable guy. According to a poll of a little over a thousand voters by the market research firm WIC, Oz is leading Fetterman by four and a half points. That is outside the margin of error. So that's good. A lot, other polls have the race basically in a dead heat. But when you think about all of the attacks on the Republicans, and you think about all of the media propping up John Fetterman, uh, this is really good news. Really good news. Except for this. The Pennsylvanians have been voting since early November, or early September, rather, I'm sorry. Since early September. The Pennsylvanians have been voting for almost two months. Great. The, it's breaking at the end. We're, we're now looking forward to a debate finally between Dr. Oz and John Fetterman. Fetterman had been running away from a debate because he, act, he actually can, can barely form a coherent English sentence right now, both because he has health problems and because he's not the brightest bulb in the pack and never has been. So he's, he's just been running away. He doesn't want to do any of the debates. Finally, he agrees to do one. But who cares? What does it matter? If election day is no longer election day, if it's now election, not election week, not even election month, it's, what is it, election two months now or more? If the, the debates happen a week or two before the, the election, it doesn't matter at all. If the polls start to break for Dr. Oz a week or two before the election, it doesn't matter at all. How many votes have already been cast? That's the question that you've got to answer right now. You're seeing the same issue in, in Ohio. Great news. J.D. Vance is up over Tim Ryan in Ohio. And J.D. Vance, the Republican candidate, is up over Tim Ryan, the Democrat, specifically because of the debates. Because J.D. Vance destroyed Tim Ryan with facts and logic, like any good YouTube conservative, and crushed him in the debates. And so you're seeing that reflected in the polls. There's a poll now that has Vance up by 4.1% over Ryan. That's a signal poll that is, again, beyond the poll's margin of error, which is 2.58%. This poll was conducted October 14th through the 18th of 1,500 likely voters. So it's a very important poll. These numbers should really, really matter, except Ohio also has early voting. And both of these states have mass vote by mail. So vote by mail makes fraud much easier to, to commit, and it makes it much more likely to happen. And then 
even if the people who are receiving the ballots by mail just completely follow the rules and there's no shenanigans and there's no ballot harvesters and there's no corpses voting in the election, doesn't matter if, if they cast their votes before the, the debates take place, before the polls break for J.D. Vance, it's just not going to matter. So it's just, you're, you're, you're still seeing this year in real time the way that the Democrats rig the election. Don't let them tell you that there's no rigging, that this is the most wonderful, protected, serious, uh, dignified election in all of human history. And if you question it, you're a terrible insurrectionist fascist. Don't let them tell you that. They are rigging it. You are watching it being rigged in real time. So how could, how could John Fetterman win in Pennsylvania? How could Tim Ryan win in Ohio? Very easily. They don't even need to mess with the voting machines or cheat about the count in the days and weeks that for whatever reason it now takes us to count ballots. They can just change the way that you vote in the first place. And in some cases, it's going to be contrary to the state constitution, like the mail-in ballots in Pennsylvania. But in some cases, it will be perfectly legal, and it will just give Democrats an advantage. But you can see that the momentum right now for the Republicans among the actual people is tremendous. You, can, you see it in New York. Right now, the, the Republican gubernatorial candidate in New York is leading the Democrat governor in true blue New York, a poll of 1,056 likely voters, this is conducted by Coefficient, October 18th to 19th, shows Lee Zeldin, the Republican, not just in a dead heat or closing the space, or he, he's within striking distance, he's leading Kathy Hochul, the, the Democrat governor in, in New York. Now, it's a, it's a small margin, but he's leading her 50, 55.6%, or I'm sorry, 45.6% to 45.3%. And you've got another 9.1% of voters who are undecided. So yeah, it's within the margin of error, but he's actually got the slight edge here, even though it's in a dead heat. And then you've got another 9% plus of voters who are undecided. How are the undecideds breaking right now? Poll after poll show that the undecideds are breaking for the Republicans. So this is really great news, right? How is Zeldin doing that? Zeldin is doing that. He's, he's winning among white voters, 48 to 44. He's winning Hispanic voters by a pretty significant margin. He's winning, so the, those Hispanic voters, goodness gracious, it's 18% is the margin that he's winning by. He's winning in the other races too. And this is crucial. Uh, Zeldin is not winning the black vote. The black vote is very firmly uh, in the Democrat camp, but he's pulling 18%. 18% of the black vote. Republicans traditionally get anywhere from, I don't know, maybe 12% down to 8% of the black vote. So you, you don't, when people talk about Blexit, for instance, or when they talk about, you know, pulling uh, black voters away from the Democrats who have been mistreating them for so long, you don't need to, to get 55% of the black vote. You don't need to get 35% of the black vote. You just need to get like 15% of the black vote and the Democrats are toast. So this is great, great news. And it's good news for Zeldin too, because the Democrats cannot with any plausibility use their favorite attack, which is to call Republicans racist and terrible and say that anytime they win an election, it's because of white supremacy. You see here, the deciding factor in these races is not race and it's not sex and it's not any of the, it's not religion even exactly. It, do you know what it is? It's class. The Republicans are very firmly the party of the working class and the middle class, true. The, the Democrats are the party of weird elite people who 
believe in transing the kids and who watch all those stupid TV shows that no one else really watches and go to see the big Hollywood movies that nobody actually goes to see anymore, that the Democrats have become the party of a, a, an elite sort of cultural bubble that is exerting less and less influence on the broader culture. Previously, the big institutions, Hollywood, Harvard and Yale, all of the, the prestigious elite institutions in the country used to exert a ton of influence over the common sense and the popular culture. That is not really the case anymore. And so you're seeing time after time, the Republicans who used to be portrayed as rich Uncle Pennybags, you know, they're the party of the monopoly man or something. And the Democrats, they're the party of the working class. That's completely over. Okay. And the only Republicans who are not getting it are the Republicans who still think we're running in 2003 or 2004 or something. But the political landscape has completely shifted very much to the benefit of the GOP. This is good. We got to win back the culture. That's why we got to do it at the ballot box. We got to do it on our screens and we got to do it in our coffee cup. That's why you got to check out Black Rifle Coffee. Right now, head on over to blackriflecoffee.com. Use promo code Knowles. Here at The Daily Wire, we are committed to winning back the culture. Losing is not an option. Losing is for losers, okay? There's too much riding on our culture. And part of that means supporting businesses where the values align with our own, which is why I'm very excited to tell you that we've teamed up with Black Rifle Coffee Company. Many of you know about Black Rifle already. It's a veteran-founded and operated coffee company that has made it their mission to hire 10,000 veterans. They're well on their way. One of the many laudable things Black Rifle does is help service members successfully transition from the military into entrepreneurship. And they are constantly giving back to veteran foundations as well as law enforcement and first responders. By purchasing from Black Rifle Coffee Company, you are directly supporting the military service community. What about the coffee itself? It's bold. It's strong. It's really, really good. Black Rifle is very selective about where they source their coffee beans from and disciplined when it comes to ensuring the freshness of every single bag. We keep it stocked here at the office. Everyone loves it. Go to blackriflecoffee.com. Use promo code NOLS for 10% off your first order. And when you sign up for a new coffee club subscription, the subscription gives you free shipping on all coffee club orders, early access to club deals and promotions, and special discounts from their partner brands. That's blackriflecoffee.com. Promo code NOLS for 10% off your first order. Or when you sign up to become a coffee club member, Black Rifle Coffee supporting veterans and America's coffee. The class divide politically right now is nowhere clearer than in the UK. I just got to spend the last week in the UK because I was over there uh, for the baptism of Candace, Candace Owens and her husband George's daughter. Uh, I assume they picked me uh, not only because I'm Catholic, you know, for this baptism, but m- probably even more so because I'm Italian and a godfather really should be Italian and have a nice little bow tie, you know, and kind of jut his, his chin out underneath and grant favors uh, to his various associates on the day of his daughter's wedding. So it was a real pleasure to be over there. And uh, the, the fights that we see here, the culture war fights in the U.S., are really, really clear over there. And that class divide is really, really clear over there. One of the big fights that is back again now is the fight over the Brexit. Britain was part of the EU and then Britain wanted to leave the EU. And there was a huge divide in Britain over this. And here was the divide. Regular, normal, working class and middle class people wanted to leave the EU because it was a complete disaster and it was destroying the British culture. But the sort of wealthy, cosmopolitan, fancy laptop set 
that feels no allegiance to nation or church or family or anything like that. They wanted to stay in the EU. And their arguments were pretty much just economic. They said, well, we'll have more money if we're in the EU, possibly. And they were for the open borders, and it was for all the kind of leftist utopian nonsense that the libs are pushing here in the U.S. and all around the world. And it was the normal people who said, no, I don't want to just completely destroy my culture and open up all of my borders and lose all of my traditions and break down my whole way of life. I don't want to do that. I like my way of life. I want to conserve something. I saw this. I had the great privilege of meeting a ton of of listeners to the show in the UK. I didn't realize we had th- that kind of an international audience, but I had a nice opportunity for people to come up on the street and I would chat with, with everybody. And I'll tell you, it was not the provost of the very fancy social club who came up to me on the street, okay? It wasn't the very elite, wonderful, tweedy people walking up to me on the street as a general rule. It was working class and middle class people. There's a lot of people in the service industry. It was a lot of just like normal guys. (laughs) And that is going to be the political divide here in the UK and in the US, because you've, you've now got a left in this country, a left that is part of the ruling class that is defined by the most insane political positions. And the, the most, the clearest of all in its insanity is this desire to transgender little kids. And so it doesn't take a PhD in political philosophy for someone to look at that and say, man, that is completely nuts. I don't want that. It doesn't take a PhD in political philosophy to say, hey, how about you don't flood my country with millions of foreign nationals who have absolutely no uh, connection to our traditional culture whatsoever? It doesn't take a PhD in political philosophy to say, hey, maybe we shouldn't kill all the kids, kill all the little babies, and, and actually the old people too now because they're pushing for quote unquote euthanasia, assisted suicide. It doesn't, it doesn't take a PhD in political philosophy to say, hey, sh- are, should we really be hurtling toward World War III over a territorial dispute in Ukraine that all of the elite institutions seem to be really, really focused on, but ordinary people, we kind of just want to heat our homes? And actually, that's a related problem, this energy crisis that's being caused by this ever greater escalation of a war in Ukraine. It doesn't take really, really fancy people at fancy institutions to know that. Ordinary people on the street, working normal jobs, having normal families, having normal lives, they are much, much more sophisticated on these questions than our so-called elite. I think this played a huge role in why the UK government fell last week. So I'm not saying I had, I had anything to do with it necessarily, all right? But all, here's what I'm saying. I land in the UK, immediately the prime minister resigns. She knew there was a new boss in town. Put my little bow tie on, do my Churchill impression, walking over to 10 Downing. Liz Truss, who had just been elected, I, she probably hadn't even finished moving in to 10 Downing Street yet. She resigned after just 45 days in office. That is just slightly over four Scaramucci's, okay? That is a very, very short period of time. Now, she was a Tory, and she still is a Tory. She's not dead, you know. She, she is nominally a conservative, but the problem is the British Tories, the British conservatives, are not actually conservative. They don't conserve anything. This isn't to be some cheap shot at the Tories and saying they should move a little further right. They don't, they actually don't believe in conserving basically anything, the vast majority of them. And Liz Truss in particular came in as a kind of weak establishment pick that wasn't interested in actually conserving any part of the traditional culture. So you you have to ask yourself, just looking internationally right now, why is this, why was this government different? All the momentum is on the right. 
All the momentum is for the conservatives right now. Starting really with Donald Trump, that really is what escalated it. This very popular, very old school kind of conservative, not, you know, the egg-heady, technocratic kind of right wing that we saw for the last 20 years, but a real old school kind of, no, we're going to conserve our country, you know, God, family, country, borders, make America great again, that kind of stuff. You get it with Trump. You get it in Italy with Georgia Maloney. You get it in Ukraine with Viktor Orban. You just had elections in Sweden that went much more right wing. You're seeing this bubble, bubble up throughout the West. So why is it that, that the UK, when they elect a conservative government, it falls within 45 days? Because the kind of conservative that got elected in the UK is the same squishy, weak, losing kind of conservative, just maybe cut my taxes a little bit, but actually we'll probably just end up raising taxes a little later on. That kind of, you know, just let me keep my money, but we're not going to affect any kind of culture or social, social change. That kind of conservative doesn't play anymore. I don't think that kind of conservative ever really played. Okay. That, that's the kind of conservative that the libs always wanted us to be. The libs, they like the Romney kind of conservative. The libs, they like the kind of moderate, center-right kind of conservative. The libs even like the kind of caricature of libertarians. This is why when conservatives are portrayed in left-wing media, and I mean the entertainment media here, they're always this kind of libertarian type who never takes a strong stand really on the social issues. And I'm, I'm thinking of Ron Swanson on Parks and Rec. You know, just kind of, let me do whatever I want. You do whatever you want. And that's all we're, we're going to do. And, and we're not going to, you know, I'm not going to push my views on you. And you're not going to push your views on me. We're just going to, I don't know, we're going to cut taxes. And we're all going to have a little bit more money. But we're not going to say anything about the culture or the country or conserving anything. That's the kind of cons- conservative that the liberals want. Because that kind of conservative doesn't pose any real th- challenge. Mitt Romney... They fought against him. They beat him in the election in 2012. But Mitt Romney never threatened the left's agenda, ever. Donald Trump did. That's why they're. That's why they're still trying to arrest the guy. Okay. That's why they're doing everything they can. In 2020, they did everything they could to prevent people from electing him again. And in 2024, they're doing everything they can to keep him off of the ballot. The kind of conservative the left fears is the Trump kind, the Georgia Maloney kind the Victor Orban kind. Look at the UK, the Nigel Farage kind, the Brexit kind, the, the sort of, no, we're not going to accept your stupid status quo, albeit with slightly lower taxes. No, we're going to upend the status quo. And we're going to upend this, this absolutely desiccated, decadent status quo of, of the liberal establishment to return to what made our countries great. And it's, it's basic stuff. It's at least simple enough to understand. It's, it's God, it's family, it's your traditions, it's your culture, it's your community. That's what it is, okay? And so Liz Truss didn't get it, and so she's the lone conservative who gets booted out on the Western stage. Okay, I hope that the Brits have enough sense to, to run a real conservative for that position next time. They probably, probably won't, though. The Libs want us to present ourselves as that just kind of disconnected party of cutting taxes and eggheads looking at spreadsheets. That's what Joe Biden is still talking about that. Joe Biden is still talking about politics as though it's 20 years ago, which is no surprise. He probably thinks it is 20 years ago. He's still referring to Republicans as as the party of the monopoly man. They're not going to stop there. They're going to do big farmers bidding to repeal my plan to allow Medicare to negotiate prescription drugs prices. We pay the highest in the world. And doing so, it's going to raise drug prices. And they're going to raise big farmers' profits. They're doing fine, big farmers. They're not hurting at all. 
and they're going to raise your health insurance premiums. It's mega, mega trickle-down. Mega, mega trickle-down. The kind of policies that have failed the country before and will fail it again. And it'll mean more wealth to the very wealthy, higher inflation for the middle class. That's the choice we're facing. That's why I think that we're going to do just fine. Thank you. Mega, mega trickle down that the Republicans are shilling for big pharma. Are you, are you making that argument with a straight face? The Democrats who just spent the last three years shutting down our country and taking away all of our rights and our way of life to force us to buy a product from big pharma. And the Republicans, whenever the Republicans say, hey, actually, I don't really trust Pfizer. I don't actually trust Moderna. Those Republicans, they are deplatformed. They're kicked out of school. They're fired from their jobs. They're prevented from interacting in society. You're telling me that we're the, we're the party of big pharma? What planet are you on, Joe Biden? It's exactly the opposite. The mega, mega trickle down. The Republicans are running on tariffs now. Okay? The Republicans are running on waging trade wars with China. Okay, it's the Democrats who are, who are running on just outsource everything. All that matters is ticking up GDP a little bit. It's the Democrats pushing that stuff. Joe Biden's biggest contribution to U.S. politics right now, I mean this sincerely, is because he is ancient, he shows you how times have changed. Because he's ancient and he's not as quick as he used to be, and he, he's, he's not really familiar with the current state of the political debates. He's using the talking points from 15 years ago, 20 years ago, when Republicans were acting like big losers. When Republicans, even when they won elections, would just lose on everything and failed to conserve even the women's bathroom, failed to conserve the definition of marriage, failed to conserve our borders, failed to conserve American industry, failed to conserve every, they were just complete losers. The more they won, the worse it got, it seemed for conservatism. Isn't that amazing? In so many ways. And then the Republicans reverted back to the older kind of view of things, the, the conservatism that predated the year 2000 or the late 1990s, okay? They, they went back to make America great again. That was the slogan. And Joe Biden hasn't caught up with that. But if you're, if you're, you're a regular old voter looking at the situation right now, and Joe Biden is telling you, those Republicans, they're just shilling for big pharma. They're the, they're the party of the plutocrats. They're the party of the elite. Do you believe that for one second? No, it's, it's just so offensive because it's so manifestly not true. In reality, in reality, the Republicans, the conservatives broadly in the West are not the party of the monopoly man. We are not the party of mega, mega, trickle down, whatever that means. We're not, we're not even the party of put the economy first. The, we, obviously, we all want a flourishing economy. We want to grow jobs. We want, we want prosperity. But that is a means to an end. Okay? We don't want to make an idol out of that. We don't want to worship mammon. Things go very bad when you do that. We want a flourishing economy for the purpose of a flourishing society. And in a society where we're castrating poor little kids and pumping them full of cross-sex hormones and killing a ton of babies and getting rid of all of our borders and outsourcing all of the American industry, and do it, that is not a flourishing society. And even if, even if GDP ticks up a little bit, and I'm not convinced that it will, that is not, that is not a, a justification for it. That would be putting the cart before the horse. In reality, what the conservatives are right now is the party of common sense. The libs, they have all their studies, which are usually nonsense, and they've got all their white lab coats, and they've got all their fancy people, and they've got control over all the prestigious institutions, and they're going to tell us with a totally straight face, oh no, that, you know, that COVID shot, that's 100% effective. 
at stopping the, the transmission of the virus and at stopping the, uh, the infection. And oh yeah, actually little boys, little boys know that they're little girls from the womb, actually, from the time they're in the womb, even though when they're in the womb, they're not human beings at all. They're just clumps of cells. And those things are obviously completely contradictory, but you got, listen, we're really smart. We've got studies. You want me to show you my studies? That's the libs. Okay. And the conservatives right now are the party that says, yeah, I actually don't think my son is my daughter. Call me crazy. You know, I think maybe we shouldn't have those millions of illegal aliens pouring into our country. I don't, yeah, I know. I don't look, I don't, maybe I don't even have a really reasoned out, eloquent argument. I just think, eh, it's not a good idea. You know, maybe we shouldn't have drag queen story hour in kindergarten. You know, that's called common sense. And so uh, while I was in the UK, this was was this coincidence? I'm not sure if this was coincidence. I get attacked by one of the lean, leading limeys who uh, is now always poking his nose into American politics. That, of course, would be John Oliver. John Oliver went after me personally on the issue of transing the kids. They have been fueled by a lack of basic knowledge about what gender-affirming care actually consists of, summed up by comments like this. If a child walked into a doctor's office and said, Doc, I want you to cut my fingers off, the doc would say, you've got some problems, kid. We need to refer you to a psychiatrist. If the same child walks into that doctor's office and says, Doc, I want you to cut my uterus out, the doctor would say, that doctor would say, oh, well, you're a wonderful, brave uh, person. You're so right. We do need to cut your uterus out as soon as possible. Let's get this young lady over to the operating room. What are you talking about? Absolutely every bit of that is unrealistic from the fact that no one in this country has ever been able to have one conversation with a doctor without first discussing insurance <laughs> to the notion of a young child using the term doc. Why is the fictional child in this bullshit scenario using the same vocabulary as a chaotic rabbit from the 1940s? <laughs> None of this makes any sense. None of this makes any sense there, isn't it? Ha ha ha. So his answer to, to my objection to the the doctors transing the kids, his objection or his, his reaction to that is to make a joke about how we should have socialist health care and to make a joke about Bugs Bunny. And frankly, th- those are the strongest arguments he had against what I said. Now, he, he went on and tried to muster something resembling a coherent argument. So what's my position? My position is that healthcare institutions at the encouragement of the culture and the state, by the way, going all the way up to Joe Biden, all the way up to the federal government, are encouraging little kids to undergo gender transition, which involves bodily mutilations. It involves the injection of chemicals, popping of pills to castrate themselves, often to sterilize themselves, to make them look more like the opposite sex. That's my argument. I'm saying that's bad. And John Oliver said, what you, that's not really happening. To hear some tell it, as soon as a child declares themselves trans, there is an immediate, irreversible surgical decision undertaken, and there just isn't. So let's break down exactly what gender-affirming care consists of, because in younger children, it can mean nothing more than a social transition, like calling them by a new name, or giving them a new haircut, or clothing, or, or providing them with psychological or behavioral supports. Because to be very clear, Prepubescent children are not eligible for medical interventions. Now, at the onset of puberty, an adolescent and their family might consider puberty blockers, hormones that delay puberty. There we go. Oh, wait. 
no, you just kind of, there, he just kind of undermined his whole argument. Because he said, no, this is not happening. This is not happening. I, my British accent has not improved while I've been in the UK. So I'll just go back to do my, I'll, I'll, I'll go back to every British accent just being Paul McCartney. John Oliver says, you know, this isn't happening, actually. Yeah, this isn't happening. It's not, no, no children are being transed or anything. Okay, no, uh, no prepubescent children are going on puberty blockers until they hit puberty. Then they go on the puberty blockers. Yeah. Talk to John and George and Ringo about that. Obviously, children who are not about to hit puberty don't need to go on the puberty blockers in order to block puberty because they're not going through puberty. But little children who are about to begin puberty are being put on these puberty blockers. And it's not just a fringe case. And it's not just one weird story here or there. This is being pushed nationwide and it's being pushed by the federal government. And it's being pushed by the very confused, mentally ill man, Dr. Richard Levine, who thinks that he's a woman and who is pushing his own sexual hangups on poor little kids. And he's encouraging them to take puberty blockers and to take cross-sex hormones and to have gender mutilation surgeries, all of which fall under the umbrella of gender-affirming care, according to these absolute ghouls and these child abusers and these perverts. That is all happening. And John Oliver is making the argument, as the left always does, this isn't happening and it's good that it is. That's why this isn't happening and it's really, really good. We're not rigging the election and it's so good that we rigged the election. If you say we rigged the election, you're an insurrectionist terrorist. Here's a 3,000 word Time Magazine article telling you how we rigged the election. We're not transing the kid. We, nobody is pushing for abortion on demand without apology and it's good that we have the right to abortion up until the very moment of birth. Nobody's transing the kids and kids need this gender affirming care. Well, this doesn't affect Little, this only affects older kids, but we have to put them on puberty blockers. 25-year-olds don't go through puberty, guys. And they claim, the libs claim, that these drugs are reversible. They're totally reversible. They're simply not. You know, go watch Matt's movie. The one thing I missed when I was out of the country that I really wanted to attend, I was supposed to speak at Matt's uh, rally to stop transing the kids. It was a huge success. I was looking at the, the photos and the videos. A huge, huge success. Why? Because the people are obviously on our side of this issue. The reason I bring up John Oliver is, is not even to, you know, just kind of get into a urinating contest with this limey who's got a nose for American politics. The, the reason I bring it up is, if you heard my argument, which is, hey, it's kind of bad that children are allowed to go to doctors and encouraged to go to doctors right now and mutilate their bodies. And then you heard his argument, which is, that's, come on, that's not real. What does he sound like? Bugs Bunny High? Come on. No, they're just getting gender affirming care. And they're being told that they're actually the boys and little girls. And then they're being put on puberty bloggers. Come on, man. If you just heard those two arguments, which one do you think is the normal argument? Which, which guy there do you think is the crazy radical guy? And which guy do you think is the normal common sense guy? I don't mean to toot my own horn, but I, I think any, unless you are a radical leftist, even if you don't like me personally, even if you don't care about the transgender issue, you hear those two arguments. The argument that we are making is obviously the common sense normal argument that everyone has believed throughout all of human history until five minutes ago. And the radical, crazy fringe argument is the John Oliver argument. And it's not even much of an argument at all. And even, you know, even to John Oliver's point, when he says, and they're not all going on drugs. Some of them are just being told that they're actually the opposite sex. 
As if that doesn't matter, as if the physical world is all that matters and all that matters is putting chemicals into your body. No, of course not. <laughs> if, a little, if a little kid, if a little boy is told every day starting in kindergarten that he's actually a little girl and there is a, a kind of social currency that goes along with identifying as transgender and it's being pushed by the president of the United States, don't you think that's either going to deepen his sexual confusion if he has some already, or it's just going to plant it there in the first place. Don't you think that the social, metaphysical aspect of our lives matters too? I think it does. In many ways, I think it matters a lot more than the physical aspect of our lives. Of course, that, that's child abuse too. And it's so amazing. It's so incredible that the libs on the one hand are, are so belligerently opposed to so-called homosexual conversion therapy you know, where a, a gay guy shows up to a psychiatrist and says, or a psychologist and says, hey, doc, I have the same sex attraction and I don't really want to, and I don't want to live a homosexual lifestyle, so, but I don't know what to do about it. And then the doctor says, well, here are some tools, you know, to kind of try to deal with those desires that you don't want to have. That is, that's the worst thing ever. That has to be banned. The people who, the doctors who practice that need to be thrown in prison. That's gay conversion therapy. That's so awful. But the libs are actively encouraging transgender conversion therapy on the other side. Two little kids. The kind of conversion therapy that says, little kid goes up and says, you know, you know, uh, doc, I actually think I'm a girl this week. And then the, this predator doctor says, oh yeah, you are. You are a girl. Stop. Don't even call yourself Johnny anymore. You're Sally. And all your teachers are going to have to call you Sally. And pretty soon we're going to get you on those puberty blockers that, by the way, you're going to make a ton of money for big pharma. <laughs> and yeah, then we're going to get you into the gender mutilation surgeries. And oh, yeah, that, that is, both of those therapies are operating on the idea that talking things out and forming one's psychology and spiritual views on this matter of your metaphysical self, of your soul, is going to affect your life and your identity. And John Oliver is saying, oh, no, it's not a big deal when it's being done pro-trans. It's the worst thing in the world when it's the gay conversion therapy and it's, it's, it's threatening people's lives and it's going to cause them all to commit suicide. But, oh, when it's with the little kids that you're convincing them they're the opposite sex, oh, it doesn't even matter. It's nothing. It's nothing. It's no big deal. And by the way, it's not happening and it's good that it is. It, it keeps getting more and more extreme and clear, by the way. There's a, poll, there's a new poll out. I've said it on the show a number of times that I am very confident the vast majority of Americans oppose transing the kids. I said, if you do a poll on it, I promise you it's going to be overwhelmingly people oppose transing the kids. Well, now we have the poll. There was a poll conducted uh, in partnership with the Trafalgar Group. Uh, this was uh, conducted by Convention of States Action. And the poll found that 80% of American voters believe minors should be required to wait until they are adults to pursue transgender procedures. Now, I think these butcher procedures should be outlawed, period. I think they help nobody. They harm a lot of people. They're deeply disordered and they violate the Hippocratic Oath for adults as well as for kids. But at the very least, you have your 80%, four, four out of five Americans believe that we should not trans the kids, which raises a big question not about transing the kids, but about our democracy. How is it that the most powerful politicians and institutions in America keep pushing this stuff when 80% of the voters oppose it? If we have our sacred democracy. And the answer is obviously because the, the, the powers that be are not actually accountable to the people. And it's not just on transing the kids, it's on immigration. Harvard-Harris poll that I cite frequently says 
The vast majority of Americans want to drastically reduce all immigration in America, not just illegal immigration, but legal immigration too. And yet, why is it that no matter who gets elected, we get more and more immigration? Democrats actively pushing it, Republicans allowing it to happen. How can that be if we have a democratic republic? Well, it, it can only be if the powers that be are not actually accountable to the people. The corporations pushing this nonsense are not accountable in the, in, uh, even to the market forces. And the politicians are not accountable to their voters. But that first part is important too, because we often hear, well, and this is from the more libertarian style conservatives, they'll say, yeah, that government, it is corrupt. You're right. They're, those politicians, they're not actually that accountable to the voters. And that's why we need to defend the free market. And we need to defend the corporations to work out in the marketplace uh, exactly how the Americans want to live. But that's not actually how it works. One, there is no such thing as a perfectly organic free marketplace. There is always a political authority that sets the rules of any marketplace, a physical marketplace or this kind of metaphorical marketplace. But furthermore, we know 80% of Americans hate this stuff. All the big corporations are pushing it. So how can that be? The only way that can be the case is if even the corporations are not actually accountable to their customers to the supposed free market, if, if what we have is really more like a rigged game. You know, we launched, speaking of the free marketplace, we launched Jeremy's Razors just a few months ago. We've already taken millions of dollars away from woke razor companies, the exact kind of companies that I am talking about right now that hate your guts and that use that money to better, we've taken that money and now we use it to better support the stuff you believe in. Now, the time has come for Jeremy's Razors to look inward and conduct a totally legit not at all hollow or contrived DEI audit of ourselves. So here it is. Is Jeremy's razors diverse? No, the razors are great. We don't need to make different ones. Are Jeremy's razors equitable? Uh, Yes, actually. When you buy a founder's kit, equity is transferred away from your pocket and into Jeremy's pockets. And lastly, are Jeremy's razors inclusive? Well, of course they are. They include blades. So there you have it. Jeremy's Razors is now DEI self-accredited and still the only razor brand that actually upholds virtue instead of merely signaling a false version of it. If you have not already done so, get your shave kit at jeremysrazors.com. This weekend, also, Ben Shapiro released a brand new episode of his Sunday special. It features a very special guest, President of Brazil, Jair Bolsonaro. You can watch the episode on Daily Wire Plus or listen on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. The push for these radical, unpopular, usually weird kind of sex policies from the top, from the established elite, keeps getting more and more extreme. The latest video from Old Nick's Pub, which is the Eugene, Oregon venue hosting a child drag show featuring a performance by an 11-year-old child and free admission free admission for kids 10 and under. Used to be there was ladies night at the bar and ladies would get in for free and they'd get cheap drinks because then the men could uh, hit on the women. Well, now our culture's moved past that. Now we have kids 10 and under night at the bar. And uh, presumably that's for exactly the same reason. This is the bar that we're talking about. Invaders and demonic forces waged across the land. Upon a mountaintop, the powers of the ethereal overlord and the demonic savior collided. Unholy beams of light were met with a laser glass and demonic flames were met with ethereal blades. As defeat befell them, the leader from their skies kneeled to submission and was impregnated righteously. 
infected with the seed of the Dark One, the fallen leader lay decimated and besieged inside a blackened womb. There, a parasitic fetus throbbed and writhed. All right, I think I've seen it. I've seen it. Summoned forth by the insidious. So you, you see in this. I mean, you can hear the the narration going on, all this demonic, satanic talk, this kind of weird occult alternate history of the world. And then the imagery on stage is just a dude dressed up like a demon with devil horns, uh, doing all sorts of things with people and kind of all, all sorts of satanic imagery, the pentagram and all the rest of it. Now, there are going to be some people out there who are a little less culturally minded, who are not, you know, maybe they're not all that religious. And, and they're going to say, Oh, you know, look, is this weird? Yes. Is it wrong to let kids into a drag bar? Yeah, that for sure is it. But when we're talking about the imagery, Michael, come on, isn't it? Are we really going to have another satanic panic here? I mean, does it, does this really matter? Yeah, it's dumb. It's weird. But is it really evil? Is it really so bad? Do we care? I mean, it's all just kind of make-believe and pretend and just silly and random, isn't it? Uh, There are a lot of people who hold that view. And, And my question then always is, if it's, if it's all just so silly and random, if it's all meaningless, if these symbols don't have any meaning, why is it always the same symbols that we're seeing? Why is it that the deputy monkeypox coordinator for Joe Biden wears the very same symbol that you saw in that satanic image? Why he always, he wears the, the pentagram and he has a, not only a pentagram leather harness on that he photographs himself wearing, he also has a pentagram tattoo on his pectoral muscle. Why, why is it that uh, Biden's energy advisor, nuclear energy advisor, Sam Brinton, dresses up in all these same kinds of weird leather, occult, demonic sort of things? Why is it that when you see the pro-abortion rally and the transing the kids rally and all the crazy, colorfully-haired uh, radicals who are hoisting the pride progress flag, and they always look the same, and they've got the same kinds of, why is that? And why does it always seem to come back to the devil? Why is it that Saul Alinsky, when he wrote Rules for Radicals, the most important book for leftist organizing in America probably in 100 years, why is it that in the acknowledgments, he mentions Lucifer, and he says, you know, I've got to mention, I've got to acknowledge here, the devil who lost himself heaven but won himself a kingdom. Why is that? Why, why do the same images, which are the images that have cropped up, the same symbols that have cropped up for all of human history, why are those the ones being used? And I think the obvious answer is because symbols represent something. The symbols represent a symbolized. So yes, they, they dress up in their stupid outfits and with the horns and they've got this, this stupid pentagram on the wall. But why are they doing that? Because That physical representation is pointing to a metaphysical reality that is evil. It's just evil. It's bad. And we can't can't just throw our hands up and write it off and say, well, you know, look, some people like images of angels and cherubim and God, and and some people like images and symbols of the devil and the pentagrams and the transit. And it it just so happens that the people who go to church on Sunday and do their jobs and get married and have kids and take care of their family and want a good country and vote almost always for the conservatives and don't want to destroy our entire society, those guys always just really like the kind of nice angelic imagery and the people who want to kill the babies and trans the kids and open the borders and destroy our country. They, for whatever, just coincidence, so random, such coincidence, they're always the ones with the satanic imagery. 
I think it's a little more than coincidence. I think that really, when you get down to it, politics is not about some weird cockamamie five-point ideology that was cooked up in 1752, and now that's all politics means forever and ever. No, I think politics is about, do you want to do good stuff or bad stuff? Do you want to promote truth or do you want to promote falsehood? Do you want your society and your country to be beautiful or do you want it to be ugly, like that drag bar that's now luring children in so that creepy men can prey on them? What do you want? What do you want? We have political rights, okay? And for a long time, the conservatives, we, we just kind of talked ourselves into this insane idea that actually, you know, we don't have any right to stop this stuff. You know, if Google, if Google <laughs> wants to rig the election, well, by golly, we just have to build our own Google, but we have no right to stop them from censoring us and promoting all this terrible stuff and suppressing all this good stuff. We, we do. We have rights. That's what political freedom is. And that's true in the whole Anglo-American tradition. It goes back much further than that, too. That's the idea that Edmund Burke talked about this, the great, the great conservative philosopher. He said, you know, there is, there is an exalted freedom beyond just titillating yourself, beyond just asserting your individual appetites and desires. There's a more exalted freedom that, that finds that, that liberty even in servitude itself at times when we are recognizing that we are in a community, we have obligations to one another, and we don't want to live in a country that's transing all the kids. Okay, That is what conservatives are waking up to in America. That's what the Trump movement was about. That's why Trump, he didn't run on the slogan, make taxes low again. Make killing babies and chopping off genitals a private decision again. Okay, he didn't run on that, on that weak, weak, weak kind of pseudo right-wing pseudo-conservatism that has been dead since the early 2000s and that Britain just learned because they tried to push it again with Liz Truss. Learned that's, that's not going anywhere, okay? Either, <laughs> either our, our society is not going to remain neutral. It's not going to have stasis. We're either going to move toward a good country. We're either going to make our country great again and our civilization great again, or we're going to go to that bar with all those kids and all the demons in Eugene, Oregon. The choice I, I think still remains ours. It's an uphill battle because of the disconnect between the established powers and the actual desire of the people. But the polls show it. We can rest assured the people are broadly on our side. It is simply up to us to assert our political rights. Now, you know, it's Music Monday. I'm so very glad to be here for Music Monday. The producers have chosen a song. I don't know anything about this song or this musician, but I'm going to give you my absolute highest most sophisticated pop cultural analysis. You know, I'm Wonder Mike and I've come to say hello. I'm, I'm a rap mogul, a hip hop maven. I'm just a culture vulture, baby. The rest of the show is continuing now. You don't want to miss it. If you're not a member, click the link in the description and join us. 